0: Alright, thanks guys. You can all be seated, give each other a hug, and what a cool, cool deal. Well, I don't know if you feel like you've been to church or not yet, but uh, just get ready. It's just getting better from here. (laughs) Thanks, guys. So, I have the privilege this morning of handing the microphone off in just a moment. And let me just introduce this man as my friend. So, there are a few people in my speed dial... When I have to just get my head right, that I trust, that I call and say, okay, you already know that I'm crazy, but you love me in the middle of that crazy, so help me walk through whatever this thing is that I'm walking through. And this man that's going to come up is one of the guys in my speed dial to do that. Um, He's been my direct report boss in the past Uh, But that's not the case today. Today he is our friend, um, one of our partners in ministry, and uh, my personal good friend. Would you help me welcome Pastor Gary Emery as he comes, and he is going to share with us this morning.
1: Well, good morning. What a cool day. uh, I'm looking for a place here for my water. But I don't want to dislodge the rocks. I, I was a little worried that when you were giving them all rocks and talking about a membership meeting later that they could take up stones to stone you. Yeah, not good, not good. It is so great to be with you. You know, I was thinking uh, as we uh, were beginning today, uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I remember Pastor Chris came up and uh, shared some transition news with, uh, with you. Um, and I remember the word that he gave and that is God's got this. And, um, I just want to affirm to you that it's been so cool now to see what God's doing and God's got it in the past. He has it now and he's always going to have it. God's just got this right. Amen. Amen. I so love all of you. Um pastor mike and christine i love you so much and i i know what it is like to take your family and scoop it up and move a big distance move and and to restart simply because god said to and um you guys are my heroes and i love you and i appreciate you and respect you and i'm so thankful to god for you and uh these uh, folks that stood up here, the new members, and also uh, the church leadership it 's just been so cool to work with these guys um, so you understand how blessed you are just to have the wisdom and safety of of really really strong, healthy people that help give leadership we 'll talk a little bit more in a way about that in a little bit, so i 'm just uh, so thankful, and i can 't wait to see what god 's going to do next. Um, We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 in a second. Before we dive into that, I want to make one uh, more introduction. Um, All of us have uh, things in our life that kind of drain us, drain our tanks, and things that fill our tanks, right? You know what I'm talking about? So the work that I get to do, I oversee, help oversee about 100 churches on the West Coast, and, and I get to work with pastors and leaders, and we get to help start new churches on Pastor Chris and Lisa. By the way, I got a text from Pastor Chris uh, this morning. He texted me, he's praying for the service today. And actually, I really appreciate it, except the fact I think he's sitting by a pool in Puerto Vallarta, and I told him I hated him. So... Uh, so he helps us with church planning stuff and and it 's so cool but but I also have to work with a lot of the messes and uh, sometimes slog through some administrative things and deal with some stuff that can be pretty pretty draining at times too and um but I also have stuff that that fills my tank. And one of the things that that fill my tank is that I love restoring old cars. That's just what I do for fun. My problem is I'm not very good at it. I'm not very mechanical. And uh, so a friend of mine, uh, Brian, is with me today. Everybody say hi, Brian. Brian Brian is one of my buddies from uh, Springfield. And he came to me a while back and he said, Gary says, if you get this old BMW, because he had one like mine, he said, if you get this old BMW, he said, I will help you restore it. And he is a a genius at that kind of stuff, and I didn't know if he knew all he was getting into, but uh, so he, he said, "Yes." Yeah, so we've been working on this car, it's just so much fun to, to be, you know, t- working on car, actually, he works on the car, I hold the flashlight, and, uh, and we talk about Jesus, and we talk about politics, and we talk about sports, go Ducks, is that an Oregon Duck shirt over there? I'm just feeling the love, man. <laughs> Uh, I think the Ducks are playing the Huskies in basketball today, and uh, I think the the Ducks are in first place in the Pac-12 right now. I just... Oh, never mind. Uh, I've totally alienated all of you, especially those who have stones to throw at me, except for you. You won't throw... What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, just for fun, I said, uh, Brian, uh, I'm going to be coming up to speak at this church, and... um, there is in Tacoma a place called the LeMay Auto Museum. It's the largest car collection in the United in North America, United States, Canada. Okay. I'm telling you what, if you're a car guy and the LeMay Auto Museum doesn't get you fired up, you got a dead battery, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but it's so great to have you, and it's just been super duper. And uh, So we're going to dive into to Romans 8. And uh, I want to just tell you that the challenge I'm feeling right now is that I love the Word of God, and I love this chapter, and and it feels like a sin not to go just verse by verse through the whole thing, because it starts out, you know, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And you get to Romans eight eighteen, it says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us." And then you get to Romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine, where it says that. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God or are called according to his purpose. And, and then you get to the end of the chapter, and it talks about that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, famine or peril or trouble or nakedness or sore, or nothing. And it's just, you, I get to all that. I just want to do the whole thing. I want to go like from verse 1 to verse 39 or whatever it is. And I'm, I think we should do that. I don't have to fly out for a few hours, so I'm uh, I'm good to go, so I'm not good to go. I'm, I wouldn't do it to you. I got to tell you this. So one, of my, one of my mentors early on was a guy named M.J. Stewart. You know, Brother Stewart. So this is a true story. I had it checked out. So he's, he used to preach like a long time when he preached. It was always good, but he preached for a long time. And like in your church where there's a, a clock up there, one time he's preaching in this church in Sacramento, and this actually happened, okay? He's just preaching away a long, long time. And all of a sudden in the back, a couple of the elders of the church had went out and they got a ladder and they set the ladder and they climbed up the ladder and they took the clock down and they put a calendar up. <laughs> that really happened. So That's not going to happen today. Because so. here's what we're going to do. We're going to zone in on just one, on one verse. Uh, and it's verse 14. I love this. It says this. For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay, I want you to say that with me out loud. I think it's printed up there. Read it out loud. Ready? Go. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So I want to talk today about how to be led by the Holy Spirit on a more consistent basis. Now, I'm very curious as to what your reaction is right now this moment is when you heard me say that or maybe when you saw in your little note sheet that we're going to be talking about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm just wondering what your immediate honest reaction was because I got to tell you I'm going to be really truthful with you is that um, there have been times in my life uh, when I have been so turned off by people who kind of in a very super spiritual, authoritative aura, would uh, kind of come in and tell me that, that the Lord told them this, or the Holy Spirit. You know, let me just clue you in. As a pastor, in addition to getting to, to minister to a wonderful church family like this one, and to be able to be involved in all of that, from time to time, this happens to all of us, we will get these kind of free radicals they kind of swing through, or I call them like floating kidneys in the body of Christ, you know, and they'll kinda of, they'll kind of scoop in and they'll make a beeline. I mean, first moment they're in the church, they'll make a beeline for the pastor, and afterwards say, The Lord sent me here to tell you this. It's usually a word of great condemnation, you know, or something like that, or or the Holy Spirit wants me to tell this and that and And, you know, because we're pastors and we love people, we just kind of try to love them through that moment and, and try to protect the flock from that kind of stuff. But some of it kind of can stick inside you a little bit. So i got to confess that there have been times in my life where my immediate response toward people saying, the Holy Spirit led me this, or, or I think God's saying this, or whatever, my first reaction sometimes has been less than... Now I may mask it pretty well on the outside, but inside, my reaction's not always the best. But then I read this scripture, and it says, But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Really, if you think about it, what it's saying is not just that it's okay to be led by the Spirit of God. It's not just saying that it's good to be, but it's really a mark of your identity. It's, a, it's like your, your evidence of your genetic spiritual code. It's part of being a person who loves Jesus Part of being a child of God means you're going to be led by God's Spirit. All right? So i got to come to grips with that. So what I want to share with you some stuff is just some honest stuff that might be for those of you like me. Maybe you're a little bit more analytical, cerebral. Maybe you've had some experience that you kind of go like this with all this kind of stuff. I want to share some things with you that that I think will be helpful. But before I do that, I want you to stand with me, okay? So here's the deal. I've been honest with you, okay? I've opened my soul up a little bit here. Now I'm asking you to be honest with me and with each other. So I'm going to get you to talk to a couple of people I know everybody, a lot of people get nervous talking to other people in church. I'm standing up here in front of all of you. I get a little bit nervous too. I'm going to speak for probably 25 minutes. And uh, so you get to speak for about four minutes, okay? And I'm going to get you into groups of like two or three, like maybe three, so like three. Let's have guys in groups and gals in groups. So here are your questions. Pick one, two, three, or maybe even four of these and discuss these. Here you go. How do you... And underline the word you. How do you know when you're being led by the Holy Spirit? Okay? Second question. Describe a time when you were confident that the Spirit of God God was leading you, and then later, either rightly or wrongly, you questioned whether or not that was really happening. You kind of had second thoughts if you got it right or got it wrong. Describe that time. Third one, now this is the real, this is this one you have to really think through and you might just want to skip this one altogether, okay? Uh, Do you know enough of your own insecurities to be aware of when you might be tempted to believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding you when really you're simply finding finding a way to spiritualize whatever course of action you're about to take? If so... That's something like a psychiatrist would work, you know, with people. If so, describe that. What are some of those insecurities you have to kind of work through, all right? Those are your questions. Now, guys especially, I'm talking to the men right now. Guys, if you just say, I can't do any of that stuff, then just talk to the other two guys about the best car you've ever owned or the one that you wish you had, all right? Because that's, that's always appropriate, all right? That, that fills your tank, right? Yeah, okay. I'm good for that. All right, so you got four minutes. Ready? Go. Don't wait. Jump in. The questions are up there. We'll scroll those questions around. Keep scrolling the questions around on the screen so you can see them. We three minutes, three minutes. You got two minutes. okay you got one minute one minute Got Twenty seconds. Okay, why don't you give yourselves a big hand? Great job, church, and go ahead and be seated, all right? Way to go. That wasn't so bad, was it? All right, let's go ahead and be seated and we're going to dive in. Some of you may need to finish those conversations like maybe over lunch today at church, after church or whatever, that'd be really cool. All right, so Romans 8, 14, let's, let, let, let's say it aloud together again today. If we, if we memorize this scripture today, that would be a great thing for all of us. Let's read it together out loud, ready, go. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. How to be led by the Holy Spirit on a more consistent basis. I want you just to jot these down. I want to keep these practical, simple, and honest. There's a little place for you in your sheet, uh, note sheet, to write these down. The first one is this. Remember, this is an art, not a science. The whole thing about trying to learn to hear uh, God's Spirit speak to you, uh, to get a sense of direction, to hear God's voice, it's really more of an art than it is a science. I'm I'm married to an artist, and uh, my wife and I gonna be celebrating 40 years this summer. I can't believe it. We got married when we were like 12, so that's why. So, but uh, yeah. So, but the main thing about uh, being married to an artist is what i I've, I've become convinced that one of the differences between artists and non-artists is that artists notice things that the rest of us kind of move past. Way too quickly. For instance, I was driving with Joneil down uh, freeway the other day, and and uh, she looked. at me and She said, "Oh, she says, look at that. Look at those cloud formations." She said, "What do you see? Uh, what, what colors do you see?" I said, "Oh, it looks gray. You know, nimbus. You know, I don't know. Looks like it's gonna rain. Hello, it's Oregon. You know." And she says, "No, no, no. Look," she says, "It's gray." and it's white up in there it's a little bit of blue there's a reddish maroon here and then there's a yellow back in it do you see that and when she when she directs me to it when she really helps me see i can see it all but that's the way artists think that that's that's the way an art artist is trained to see see i'm more of like i see things like a scientist scientists like formulas you know like we say you know one plus one equals two, okay? We, if, God, if you will do this, and if I do this, then this will be the result. I, I, I approach life that way. That's the way I think. I'm an if-then person. It probably started when I was a kid playing with my chemistry set. How many boys grew up playing? You're all boys today. If you're today, you're boys. Okay, we've already talked about fun cars. Now, I'll be honest. How many of you guys grew up with a chemistry set when you were little, okay? If you look around, look around. Listen, they don't trust kids with chemistry sets anymore. And it's because of all of us who went before. I, can, I loved it. I get the little chemicals out, and, you know, and you mix them, and then you get your formulas, and you put it on. the. I learned, though, a painful, well, my brother learned a painful lesson. I actually caught him on fire one time with my chemistry set. It wasn't a good moment for our family, but uh, he's okay now. He's had lots of therapy. He's doing well. But so much of, of living the Jesus life is more about art than it is a formula. Even this how to message, that could sound like a formula, but it's not. It's not. This is simply if you'll do these things, if you'll learn these things, it will help you develop in this art of trying to hear God's voice. I watch my wife paint. And uh, part, of, part of being an artist is you make a lot of mistakes along the way. And you have to start over and you have to sometimes scrub things out. And sometimes she'll actually take her, her watercolor and she'll take her canvas and she will take water and she will scrub it off and she'll start over. Sometimes she'll just wad the whole canvas up and completely start over because that's how you learn. And we got to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we got to understand that this is really not a science, it's an art. Okay? Second thing, jot this down. Maintain a certain humble reality that says this, that you're saying this inside of yourself. You know, I could be wrong here. See, I'm not talking about the times that you're actually wrong. And how to handle that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. I'm just talking about the wisdom of, of being able to develop a good, healthy attitude inside of you that says, You know, I think the Holy Spirit is leading me this way. I think, I, I think I'm hearing the Lord say this. And having confidence in Him, but a healthy kind of, of un- humble uncertainty... Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we see through a glass darkly, you know. We see shadows and images. And in another place, it says that we know in part. We, we, we don't know everything. We don't understand. We don't always hear everything correctly. We want to, we don't want to miss it and screw up and goof things up, but that's the way we see things. What I have learned is that part of, of hearing God is that I keep a humble spirit, one that says, I don't, have to, I don't have to always be right. I want to be. I mean, how many just want to be wrong, you know? I mean, I learned in marriage that you could either be right or you could stay married, you know, okay? I don't always have to be right. I don't always have to even appear right. I just need to be honest about it. And the way that I'm trying to live my life is that I just want to honestly follow God the best I can. Does that make sense? I've had a a number of uh, leadership responsibilities throughout my life, and I am loath to declare the lord said this even 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 at times when i feel like the lord really did say it to me because here here's here's my thinking if if the lord really said something to me and if i just say what that is without saying thus saith the lord if i just say it or if i'm feeling led that we're supposed to go a certain direction and if i just humbly graciously lead in that direction guess what godly people it will register with them and they'll say absolutely yes we're going that direction if it's really from god they'll know they'll get it right and no amount of me oh the lord oh no amount of that will convince them if they know that you understand what i'm saying I just want to try to speak the truth as I understand it the best I can and to keep a humble spirit Say, you know what? I'm trying the best I can to hear from God, but sometimes I miss it. Does that make sense? That, that's, part, that's part of learning how to hear Him in a more consistent basis because we're learning as we grow, all of us. You know, some people, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever observed this. I'm sure you have. Some people will use, the Lord told me. As kind of a trump card, okay now i 'm not talking about the Donald this morning, okay <laughs> interesting parallel there though kind of so i 'm playing a, a card game a while ago uh, a couple weeks ago with the fact Pastor Chris was there I'm playing Rook. Have anybody ever played Rook? Okay, so in rook and other card games, there's this thing called the trump card, and when you have a trump card in your hand, you're just waiting, other people are playing their card, and you know, you "You know you're going to take this hand, because you have the trump card, and when it comes around to you, you lay it down, and you win the hand. It's like an automatic boom, okay? I've learned that some people use, the Lord told me this, as kind of a trump card. I've seen it done in marriages sometimes seen it done in families, seen done in, in church situations. And, and, you know, if somebody says that and you're in a meeting, well, the Lord told me, then what are you supposed to say? Well, you know, I guess if the Lord told you, I don't, you know, who am I? You know, I can't. It's like the trump card. Listen, I don't play trump cards. Okay? I just want to be honest and try to hear the Lord the best I can. Does that make sense? So keep a humble attitude that, you know, I could be wrong. I don't want to be wrong, but I could be. Third thing. Are we good? Are we good so far? Yeah. All right. Third thing. We, we kind of got to hurry up right now, okay? So, so somebody say, hurry up, okay? Yeah. Brian, say, say, drive faster. Yeah. Drive drive faster. Flourish. <laughs> Turbo time. Number three. Be willing to look and sound a bit foolish at times. Now, not wacko, but, but listen carefully. Sometimes the things that the Holy Spirit will direct us to do, will run counter to human thinking. And it's not because the Holy Spirit is stupid or foolish. In fact, God has the biggest brain in the universe. Okay, So much so that the Bible says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And because because of what God knows, that even if he tried to describe it, we wouldn't understand it. Because of what he knows, sometimes he will lead us to do things that on its surface may initially seem foolish to yourself, even before you say, I don't want to do that. That sounds, that sounds crazy. Listen, sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes he'll ask you to do things a little bit foolish. There's a, a college up in Portland, a liberal arts college, college. Uh, pretty rowdy um, pretty rowdy reputation called Reed College. Anybody ever heard of Reed College? And Reed College has a tradition, unfortunately, that every year they have a festival. It's um, where they kind of take over several blocks or, around this uh, campus area and the police actually cordon it off so that people from outside don't come in and they literally turn their backs on everything that's going on behind them with the students because it is, I'm just going to say it, it's just an orgy of sex and drugs and anything and everything that you could imagine happening right out there in, in public. And they've been doing this for years. And so there's this wonderful, a few years ago, this wonderful group of people who love Jesus and this event is coming up. And they're thinking, what are we going to do? And one of them gets this idea that turned out to be from the, from the Lord. But it seemed pretty crazy at the time. And so what they did, they went out and got a permit from the people in charge of the event to allow them to do this. And right in the center of this courtyard area where this pagan festival is going around all along, they build a little small building, a little booth, very small for uh, big enough for like two people and on the outside there was a sign that says confess your sins here <laughs> and they were scared to death i mean they didn't know if they were going to get burned or you know or what was going to happen and so they prayed a lot and they they started the thing out and late into the first night i mean things are getting really crazy outside Late in the first night, this one bedraggled person uh, comes in and sits down. And a person from the ministry um, that loves Jesus is sitting across from this person. And the individual starts to tell about all of his sins. And the believer in Jesus stops him and says, no, 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 no. You don't understand what we're doing here. This is not a place for you to come and confess your sins. This is a place for us who know and love and follow Jesus to confess our sins to you. You see, we have failed because we have been judgmental and cruel and I said, I have failed because I've made this whole thing about Jesus about me rather than others. And I've neglected the poor and the needy. And I've been self-absorbed. And I want to know, could you ever forgive me? And the other person just sat there stupefied. And they couldn't even speak. And tears began to well up in their eyes. And... They said, I absolutely will forgive you. And then they, then they said these words, what you are doing here is really, really important. And they left and they went and got somebody else. said, you got to go in there. And they went in over and over and over again. There is this, what's happened is there's this little island of revival in the midst of this sea of despair. Why did it happen? because somebody was willing to obey the Holy Spirit in something that on its surface probably sounded a bit foolish. I'm not saying wacko, crazy, nuts. There's there's a process to learn this, but sometimes we've got to understand that God's thoughts go beyond our own. All right, number four. Number four, and I think this is probably the most important thing of anything I'm going to say today. Stay fresh and steady in God's word. Okay, this is probably the most important thing of all. See, God clearly, definitively speaks through this book. This book is not just man's idea about God. This is God's ideas about everything. This is, this is what I would call the objective. You know, we have the subjective and the objective. When you are praying and you get a, maybe a sense of something, you feel like maybe the Holy Spirit whispered something into your heart, or maybe you had a dream and, and it was a special dream, and you wondered if it was a dream from God, or maybe you just some kind of nudge or impression or whatever. All of those things are subjective, OK? They're subjective. They happened inside of you. How do you know for sure? How we know is that we take what is subjective inside of us and we lay it alongside of what is objective here, because this is never going to change. What it was, the, the the words here have never changed from the moment they were written, and God never contradicts Himself. So if He said something here he's not going to say something different inside of you because he's not not inconsistent. People are. You know, people will say one thing one day and one thing the next. That's what we're in a political political season right now. I mean, look at it. That's what they do, okay? And you know what? You and I do that too sometimes, but God never does. What God said is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God says something, or we think maybe God said something to us inside here, we got to weigh it against what's here and then decide whether it's true or not or we decide upon the validity of the subjective on the basis of the objective now let me take you kind of how it works if you kind of let you into the pastoral world a little bit all right what you hope for what you pray for what you believe for is a church and i think it's happening right here a church where god is bringing people into the life of the church and you don't expect them to be living a life that comports with all of this. You don't expect that. We expect that people come in, in whatever condition they are in, whatever they have suffered, whatever they have lived, whatever they experienced, whatever they understand, and they come in and we love them exactly where they are and we help them grow in the knowledge of Jesus and the salvation and then grow in discipleship. But when they come in, they just come in where they come. That's just the way it works. Okay. So a while back, I'm pastoring our church in, uh, back home. And uh, this couple, I'll just call them John and Susie, started coming to our church. And they've been coming for a while. And you can just tell something's going on in them, you know. They just they just seem vibrant. And and like, ah, just they're excited to be there every week, you know, and so after about three weeks, they made an appointment to come and see me, and they they sat, they sat down, and, and, and I said, man, it's good to see you. He goes, oh, this pastor. We just, you we know, we've never done church stuff in our life, but something happened in our lives, and we, we started coming here, and man, God's been working in our hearts, and, and we just love it here. We love what's going on here. And uh, they said, but we just wanted to clarify something with you, make sure that you understand. So... Uh, so um, we we aren't married. We've never been married. We've been living together for several years and and you talk a lot about marriage and family and and things and and so when we heard that we prayed about this whole thing about us living together and and God told us that because because we loved each other so much and because we were so committed to each other that for us it was okay. Now that's a teachable moment. That's a pastoral moment, okay? And what you say next is going to be really, really important. Not just what you say, but how you say it. And so what the Holy Spirit, I think, helped me to say to them was, I said, you know, I am so thrilled that you are coming here and that God's been working in your life. And, and I'm going to ask you a question that I think I already know the answer to. And that is this. Do you want all of God's blessing upon your relationship Oh yeah, we do. I said, you know, I thought you probably did, and that's awesome. I want to encourage you in something. You know, this this book is God's heart for all of us. And what I want to do is, I'm going to give you a little homework assignment, and send you home with some places to read, and then discuss. And then let's get together in a couple weeks and kind of you tell me what you're learning, okay? And I give them the thing, give them some scriptures, and pray with them, and give them a hug. And oh, thank you, Pastor. This is going to be well. they, They they head home. They do their Bible study, you know, and a couple of weeks later, they, they came and met with me and they, again. I said, well, how did it go? I said, oh, wow. I said, it's been really, really amazing. He said, uh, you know, we're realizing what God's word says about marriage and, and our relationship and about sex and all these things, and we want to do this God's way. In fact, John mo- moved out two weeks ago and is living with his brother now, and we want to get married, but we want to go through all the premarital counseling, and we want to do this clean slate. We want to do it God's way the rest of our lives, and when we go on our honeymoon, it's going to be like we completely started over, and I'm saying, yes, God, okay? Now, what happened? They, they corrected because they laid the subjective against the objective, all right? And that's what all of us need to do in every place that we can. Now, sometimes it's not as clear, Sometimes more, there's some principles here that we need to make sure that we align to, okay? But always measure the subjective, the feelings, the senses. I think I got that word, or I had this dream. You know, sometimes I've had dreams, and I think, yeah, you then know, you weigh it, and I, you know, maybe really what happens, I ate too much pizza the night before, and that was, a, that was a pizza dream, not really a God dream, you know what I mean? So weigh the subjective against the objective. Okay, let's move on quick. we got... Uh, a few more things to cover, but now I am in overdrive and we are moving good. Okay, number five. Learn to make soundings with honest people. Soundings. I want to describe that in a moment. Um, kind of works like this. Uh, anybody here uh, a, a Navy uh, vet by any chance? I know Brian is. So any other Navy folks here? God bless you. Thank you for your service, all of you in the military. Thank you. Uh, you know the navy didn't invent sonar i got news for you okay god invented it and it was the dolphins that discovered it okay because dolphins as these beautiful mammals as they go through the water they don't have the kind of eyesight that they would love to have i'm sure and instead what they do is they send out little beep 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 or whatever they do, I can't, I used to do the flipper imitation, but that's when they're outside the water, so it's more like, anyway, whatever, and uh, so they send that out, and, and it hits the rock, the wall, the floor, the whatever it is, and it bounces back to them, and then they know if they're on course or not, they know if they need to turn, if they need to stop, if they need to go another direction, it protects and directs them, it's, they're sending out soundings. Now, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. It says, it says that there is safety in the multitude of counsel. Okay? So one of the ways that we can move safely in trying to hear the Spirit of God and be led by the Spirit on a more consistent basis is that all of us should have, I, I, I know I do, should have people in our life that love us that are honest with us and hopefully they are godly people and that we can kind of bounce it off of them so i can say to them hey i was praying and i i think i think this is what i heard i think this is what i'm supposed to do what do you think yeah and 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 hopefully they'll be honest with me and maybe two or three people say the same thing and if i'm wise then i need to heed that because that's how that's going to be affirmed or confirmed in my life. and if i'm just hearing something and, and and when i'm bouncing it off everybody that i know and love and trust are saying no 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 then i got to be very 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 careful about moving ahead with something like that. okay? learn to do soundings. think like the dolphin. okay? number 6, do some soul searching. Know yourself well enough that you can alert yourself to things that really are born more out of your own insecurities, your own hurts, and your own fears. We kind of wrestled with this in our conversation. Here's the deal. I don't really know me. I mean, I'm 50, I'll be 59 years old here in a few weeks, and um, I've been with me most of my life. In a few moments, I wondered where I was. You know, I don't know. But, but as much as I know me, I don't really know me. And guess what? As much as you know you, you don't really know yourself either. Not to a large degree you do. But there's a lot of things that we do, sub, that we do because of subconscious things that we don't even think about. We get so used to it. You know who knows us? God knows us. That's why I love David's song in 139, uh, Psalm 139, where he starts out, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise. You know the word that's on my tongue before I say it. You know my thoughts from afar off. The Lord knows. He knows, he knows not only what we do, what we say. He knows why we do it and why we say it. And here's what I've learned Now, these are just regular glasses, but if I had sunglasses like Pastor Chris is probably wearing this morning, (laughs) I would be looking at life through those colored lenses, okay? And I would get so used to it that I wouldn't notice the effect that it has on the way I see things, you see? And all of us look at life and we listen and we hear stuff inside in part through the lens or through the filter of our own experiences, our own insecurities, our own struggles, our own hurts. Does that make any sense? I mean, I've learned that sometimes I was, I was working on something one time and it was like, it was like, I realized that, you know what? Yes, God, I want to hear you, but I want to hear you right here. I want to hear you. I want to hear you say, what I, what I want you to say because it affirms something that I feel inside somehow that is born out of something that's less than whole inside of me. Are you okay right now? Because, you know, if you just nod your head, I could, I, could ha- I could pay you for being my psychologist this morning because that's what we're working through. But all of us do that. We all, everything that we experience, we experience and filter it through what we know, what we've experienced in life, and sometimes we don't even know why. We, so, so I guess what I'm saying is, as you grow, if you want to be more consistently hearing the voice of the Lord, if you want to be more consistently led by the Spirit of God, you got to understand what some of your own biases are. You got to understand what some of your own own uh, insecurities are, so you can kind of filter those things through. Does that make sense? That that's, gets a little bit complicated. Don't get too weird about it. But just time submit it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to hear you, and I know that I have a tendency to kind of head this direction, or I have this, and let God heal some of those hurts or whatever. But, but you've got to have that point of reserve in your life. I'm not sure if I said that very well. So that is good to take me to number seven. Do not be afraid to admit when you missed it. I might have missed it just now on that last point. I don't know. Okay? Now, earlier we talked about having that healthy kind of attitude that says, you know what, I could, I could miss it. I could hear it wrong. I could be wrong. What I'm talking about right now is a little different. I'm talking about when you know that you've actually missed it. Okay, When you miss it, admit it. Admit it to yourself and course correct. Admit it to those around you, those that you lead within your family, your business, your church, your ministry, whatever. Admit it. Because if you will do that, you will be a more healthy person and a person that learns from your mistakes, and you'll be more capable of hearing more accurately later, and it's a teachable moment for those who are around you. And by the way, they all know that you missed it, okay? They just need to see if you know that you missed it. So a while back, I was driving up from Eugene up to Seattle, one of our other churches, and I was going up there to apologize because I had been part of a a decision that was made, a few years before that I think was uh, I think it was made with the right intentions and I'm not even completely sure that it was the wrong decision but the way it all came down <clears throat> and others were the communicators of that not me I'm not trying to obfuscate here because you know the, in my world the buck stops with me on these kinds of things it wasn't handled well and the church felt hurt and this I didn't realize that until later and this all came to light And so I'm driving up there to meet with them on a Sunday morning like this just to stand before them and ask forgiveness. Say, I'm so sorry. We we were wrong. The way we handled it was wrong. I was wrong. Could you ever forgive me? That was my assignment, okay? Well, on my way up, I'm thinking, you know, I probably need to give them the context for all of this. So I'm kind of working through how I'm going to say it, and I'm laying out the context. And then I go from laying out the context to, to laying out some of the rationale on why we made the decisions, and all of a sudden I'm realizing that, you know what, what I have done now, I've just changed it from me apologizing for something that I blew it on to me trying to, to somehow uh, uh, m- you know, make myself sound okay, you know? to, to rationalize. And thank God, the Spirit of God just taught me said, just stand up there and tell them you're sorry. And I did. And I did. And it was so cool because you could see just their countenance change. And God changed some things within the spirit of the church that day because, praise God, I got it right once. I was right about being wrong at least, you know. So admit it in your families, with your kids. I remember so powerfully a when, time when my dad came and apologized to me after he had disciplined me in anger one time. That stuck with me. That helped shape me later as, a, as an adult. When I was a parent, I knew I could apologize to my kids as well at times when I would blow up with them. It's a powerful thing. Be willing to admit that you're wrong and you'll be more effective in hearing things later. I gotta hurry up. But number eight, remember the axe head principle. I love this one. Second Kings chapter six, verse six, uh, Elisha the prophet had started a school of the prophets and there was a bunch of guys, I'll just kind of put it in our vernacular in our day, they were needing to build a men's dorm for the, for the School of the Prophets. And so they went out and they're chopping down trees. Well, the high-tech expensive tool, the, the gizmo of the day, this is 4,000 years ago, the expensive gizmo of the day, believe it or not, was an axe. That's high-tech. And they were poor Bible college students, okay? So he went out and borrowed it from somebody. And this guy's just, kids chop it away, and all of a sudden, the axe head comes off of the, the handle, and whoo, and it helicopters, and it lands in the lake, and right down to the bottom. And he just completely panics, and he runs to Elisha, and he tells him what happened, and, and he says, I love the way that King Jimmy says it, he says, and alas! It was borrowed, you know. You ever destroy something or lose something that belongs to somebody else? It's not a good feeling, okay? It's at the bottom of the lake, okay? And here's the word that Elisha spoke to him He said, He said, Where did it fall? I never forgot that. Where did it fall? He was saying, Take me to the place where you lost it. Take me to where you knew you had it last. Take me back to that spot. And He did, and the Lord performed a miracle through Elisha, and the axe actually came back up the surface, and it was a great miracle. But the point for me wasn't even the great miracle. The point for me was this idea of when you've lost something, even if it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Or when you've lost direction, when you've lost your way, go back in your heart and in your mind to that place where you knew you had it last. Get back there and meet God there. Does that make sense? That's the axe head principle. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, be more attuned to the still small voice than the thunder of applause, the hiss of criticism, the wind of circumstance, or the chaos of trying to make everybody happy. 1 Kings 19, the predecessor of Elisha was Elijah. After a horrendous season of ministry, he was hiding in a cave. He was depressed. He was actually suicidal, believe it or not. So could a Bible person be suicidal? Yeah, he's human. He's a human being. And he was really struggling. And he was trying to, to have God speak to him. And in verses 11 through 13... It describes a series of cataclysmic events. It says there was this sound of a, of a strong wind. It says, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then there was an earthquake, but he wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was fire, the fire that just appeared, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then it says, there was a still, small voice. And God spoke to Elijah, and he heard him in that still small voice, and he moved ahead with the things that God had told him to do. Listen, the Holy Spirit never shouts at us. He whispers to us. And if you're in a tumultuous time, and there are earthquakes, and fires and winds and everything else, and you have all these people yelling at you, do this, do that, and you're feeling the heat, I want to encourage you to do what I have learned to do over and over again, and that is to get quiet before God and to hear the still small voice. Number 10. Number 10, this is kind of an add-on bonus thing. So this is, you're getting this one for free. I added this in in part just because I couldn't, I don't like the feeling of something, nine points. You gotta have 10. You just gotta have 10, okay? But honestly, I came across this. I thought, you know, this is just good, solid stuff. I don't have a scripture for you. It's probably not the best conclusion in the world, but here it is. Test the leading of the Holy Spirit against the four-way test, okay? Now, I'll tell you where I got this. We have any Rotarians out here? Any guys that are in Rotary Club? Any Rotarians? They have Rotarians in Seattle? Okay, all right. Um, They're good people. They do good things. It's kind of a a, a group of businessmen that do wonderful things for the community and the country. They have this little thing they call the four-way test. And I I heard it one time. I thought, wow, that's really good for us to test what we think God's maybe saying to us. Here's their four-way test. The first question is, is it the truth? I don't mean can somebody believe it's the truth. Can you, get, can you twist people's arms and get them to believe it's the truth? Is it the truth? If it isn't, it's not from God. Secondly, is it fair to all concerned? Does it take everyone into consideration? Number three, will it build goodwill and better friendships? And finally, number four, will it be beneficial to all concerned? All right. Stand with me. I told you there's was a weird ending there. It's kind of so you know. For me, in my ending, I just I just check <laughs> done. But in reality, this is something that we are going to be learning and growing in the rest of our lives, right? Could you say that scripture with me one more time? For as many as are led, say that. For as many as are led. By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How many want to grow in your ability to hear the voice of God? How many want the Holy Spirit to guide him and direct them? And maybe you're like me, maybe you're not like me, maybe you've been turned off by stuff or whatever. Listen, don't don't throw stuff out that's genuine, beautiful, wonderful from God. Let's just live it. Let's learn, let's grow in it. Listen, it'll save. Tons of heartache in your life and in your marriage and your family and your ministry. It would make a difference not only in you but in all the lives of people that you will touch. And you will not do it perfectly, but if you will commit to growing in this the rest of your life, you will. I believe it. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, God, that you don't uh, treat us like pawns in your game. Or thank you that we're not just People out there doing your bidding are our Father, and we are your children. We want to hear your voice. I thank you, Lord, for this amazing church. I pray, God, that you would bless it so much. Bless our pastors. Bless all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? amen. I went too long today, but God's going to forgive me, right? Yes. All right. Go ahead and give somebody a hug. Pastor Andrew, come up. Got one more thing we need to do before we take off today. Hey, let's give these guys a big hand. Could we thank them for being a great job.